season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR podcast today with Pennsylvania native current junior outfielder at Penn State Billy Gerlot on the podcast Billy super pumped to get you on the show man how are you doing today I'm doing good I appreciate it it's cold here in Pennsylvania but I really appreciate you having me on the show and I'm excited to excited to talk to you Awesome, man. I appreciate you reaching out. Um, kind of dig, did a little digging on your career. I'm excited to dig into it. Like you mentioned before we started recording, you were kind of came in, um, you graduated high school during that whole COVID area. Your freshman year was that COVID era as too. Um, so I'm curious to dig into that. Uh, but before we kind of dig into the baseball side of things, I do have one question I like to ask everybody I get on the podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Billy Gerlot? Oh man, you know, that's a tough question to start off with. Um, you know, you know, I'm just a high energy guy, you know, high intensity guy, you know, I like to work hard. Um, you know, I, I, in other words, I always like to tell my friends this, you know, outside of baseball, you know, I am just, you know, a regular 20 year old kid. You know, I like to do everything that everybody else likes to do. I like to play Call of Duty in my free time. You know, I like to go outside, you know, have fun with my friends, you know? So other than that, you know, outside of the whole baseball, like I'm, I'm just another 20 year old kid, you know? And I think that's, what's really cool that you can take away from being an athlete that you also have that other side of life as well. So. So being 20 years old, how long until you turn uh, 21? I don't turn 21 until July next year. So, you know, oh, I'm a, I'm a baby, man. I'm a baby, I'm a baby, but, um, you know, you know, it ends up, it works out good because, you know, I'm actually draft eligible this year um, with being a junior. So I could potentially get drafted as 20, you know, with three years of college experience. So I think that's pretty cool. And, you know, it's, it's definitely in my, definitely in my interest to hopefully, hopefully get there. You know what I mean? So when you do turn 21, uh, so besides a little bit more, a couple questions besides baseball here to start off. So I'm planning on going to Penn State in the fall next year. What are some of the bars I should be going to when I when I head there to to Penn State? All right, so I know a lot of our guys on the team love P Man's. You know, I feel like that's definitely um, the bar that our guys like. Uh, but in my opinion, I feel like if you're coming to State College, would this be your first time in State College? Yeah, I've never. I've actually I've been to Pennsylvania once, and it was because I got stuck in an airport. So. Oh, I apologize for that. (laughs) Yeah. So no. So if you're coming to state college and you're like, okay, I need to hit up a bar. uh, I would definitely go to champs downtown. Um, You know, it's definitely one of the, you know, I think, you know, when like Barstool was doing that, like huge bar thing on campuses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost positive. I would almost put money on it that I, I think champs finished in the top four, potentially even the top two. Um, So I would definitely hit up. I would definitely hit up champs. Um, and then another one is uh, Pickles. You know, they just have, you know, a lot of our guys go there. They have country night on Tuesdays. Um, so, you know, they have cool events that they do throughout the week. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I always like, especially me being an IU student, I like traveling the Big Ten. And Penn State and Michigan State are the only two campuses I haven't been to yet. Um, mm-hmm. So, me being a senior next year, that's kind of the two campuses I'm hoping to get to and check out the whole bar scene there. 
Um, yeah, so my best friend, my best friend's actually a Michigan State fan. Um, you know, his family went to Michigan State. And he, he, he breathes, sleeps Michigan State. So if you're talking about a bar for Michigan State, he always says he loves Harpers. So Harpers, there okay. you go. Yeah, guess, there we go. I got my, I got my trip planned. Out. <laughs> there you um, go. You're ready to go. You're no. ready to go. Uh, but no, let's let's dig into the baseball a little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. the, let's dig into the recruiting process first. Kind of how you got, ended up at Penn State. Um, yeah. so just, let's just dig into it right away. Kind of just take us through that recruiting process a little bit. Yeah. So, um, like you said, born and raised in Pennsylvania. So, um, I grew up a Penn state fan my whole entire life. Um, but if you would have asked me at a younger age, if I was going to end up at Penn state, I would have called you crazy just cause you know, I wanted to be able to, you know, explore. I wanted to be able to go somewhere where, you know, I was going to be able to make a name for myself outside of like my hometown. Um, but it's kind of weird how everything kind of fell into place. Uh, my recruiting process was very stressful, um, but it was also very fun at the same time. Um, I was, I don't want to say I was highly recruited, but like I was at the same time, you know what I mean? Like I talked to, I talked to a lot of schools, but like I never really got to the whole final, like, Hey, this is your offer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I really only, I really only held three, three offers and then a preferred walk on just because, um, you know, they didn't even have enough money because a prior coach, you know, really messed up when it came to scholarships and all that stuff. But, you know, my first my first school that I ever talked to was um, West Virginia. But then my first official offer was from Fordham in the Bronx. And people think of Fordham and it's like a really, you know, high educational school. So I kind of like ruled that out right away uh, just because I also didn't want to be in the downtown Bronx, you know, that freaks me out um but <laughs> yeah it freaks me out but um but kind of going based off of like the West Virginia uh talks and all that stuff that's kind of a reason why I ended up at Penn State um because one of the coaches that was recruiting me at West Virginia is now at Penn State uh Dallas Burke so you know him and I talked a lot you know we really created a really good relationship and it was funny skip to my junior year or it might have even still been my sophomore year um, I got, I was at the, I was at the Lehigh Valley mall with my, uh, with my grandmother and my aunt. And I got a notification on my phone saying, you know, coach Burke's going to be the net, like one of the next assistant coaches at Penn state. And I literally looked at my grandmother. I was like, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to be a Nittany lion, which is crazy. Cause my family loved that. Cause then, you know, yeah, they can, they could come see me. I'm only like two, two and a half hours from state college, you know, so they can come up and see me whenever they want, but it's just like, it's just super scary how everything like fell into place. And then we come to my junior year, you know, I'm talking to Penn state, I'm talking to coach Newman, I'm talking to coach Butler, who's no longer at Penn state. He was the, uh, he was the old outfield coach here. I'm still talking to coach Burke. And then I was lucky enough to get an opportunity to get invited to a camp at Tennessee. Um, so I went down to a camp at Tennessee, you know, things went really well. And the head coach there uh, at Tennessee was talking to my trainer from home and was like, Hey, like this kid has sec talent. Like, we just need to see a little bit more of him, and, like, he could potentially be a volunteer. And, you know, the coaches at Penn State heard about that, and they were like, okay, like, we have to jump on this kid. And I still remember this day I was I was helping my great-grandmother uh, move some stuff out of her house, and I got, a co- I got a phone call from Coach Newman, and I actually committed to Penn State in a fire department's parking lot at, like, 8.30 p.m. Um, but, you know, that was – you know, that was the greatest, greatest day of my life, you know, and I think now as a junior, I really appreciate making that decision because 
being able to represent your home state and being able to, you know, wear Penn State and wear the Nittany Lions across your chest. Like it just it just means 10 times more than yeah. what I ever thought it would be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you, you called Penn State State College there when you were kind of talking about it. Is that what kind of the, like Pennsylvania or people from Pennsylvania, is that what they say is State College? Or, I mean, no, me being, um, being from Indiana, I mean, I just call it Penn State. So Yeah, so Penn State is actually in State College. So like the town that we're in is State College, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's like it would be Penn State University in State College, Pennsylvania. Okay, that makes see that like, kind of like College Station for Texas A&M. Yes, yes, okay. yeah. That makes sense. And then we have like we have a bunch of branch campuses too. So like, if you were to go off of like the branch campuses, like we have like Penn State Schuylkill. That's like where I'm from. I'm from Schuylkill County. Yeah, Penn State Schuylkill, Penn State Du Bois, Penn State Burks, and all that stuff. So this would be Penn State University Park. Okay, I've I've heard that. Okay, now now that all makes yeah. sense. Yeah, because I've always heard yeah. State College. I have heard University Park too, and I'm always like. Mm-hmm. like like what's up with these? I thought they were like nicknames for Penn State. I'm like, what the? Like now, now that makes sense. Uh, but no, you yeah. So if you were to if you were to look up Penn State, it would be State College, Pennsylvania. Okay. Um. Yeah. So you said that your recruiting process, even though you didn't get like an astounding amount of offers, just because you committed to Penn State pr- fairly early, um, it was mm. still pretty stressful for you just talking to a bunch of different teams who were interested. Um. So if you kind of could compare, um, just the different ways that some coaches went about the recruiting process, were a lot of them mm-hmm. similar, or did some coaches uh, vary when it came to their recruiting process? Um, you know, in in the overall scheme of things, it's very similar. It's very similar. You know. Um, and you've probably heard this before, like all the coaches, like usually the first phone call is kind of just like an introduction, you know, to like who they are, what the program is, like all that stuff. And then hopefully you do get another call or hopefully you even get like an in-person because if you get a visit and all that stuff, um, some schools, some schools took it a little bit slower, um, with me and that's Penn state included, but there's a reason why Penn state did that is because, you know, one thing, one thing that we value here at Penn State is we value culture and all that stuff. And, you know, like we really love to create the team bond because, you know, I mean, Penn State struggled in the past. Penn State struggled in the past and we're kind of on the come up here. You know, we made the tournament last year for the first 2012, you know, so we're looking to have a really big year this year. Um, but it was slow just because they necessarily don't want the best talent. They want the best person that fits the overall scheme you know what I mean and that's kind of just like the tendency that I picked up with Penn State um Fordham when I was talking to Fordham Fordham saw me play in a tournament at Cincinnati and they pretty much called me and was like hey like we want to get you on campus right away like they really like it felt like they really wanted to rush and like get me committed but I mean I was just a what 14 15 year old kid at that time like I was like I don't, I don't want to make a decision yet. You know what I mean? Like this is a big, big, big decision in my life. Um, but like West Virginia, I mean, it's hard with West Virginia because, you know, I was talking to coach Burke at West Virginia and then he leaves to go to Penn state. So, you know, like it's super, it's super hard when it comes to like how the coaches recruit and all that. And then Tennessee, that was really only just word of mouth, you know, and then Penn State found out and then they offered me. But for the most part, to answer your question, overall, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. You have the introduction. Hopefully you get another phone call, but sometimes they end up just being like, hey, we want to get you on campus as soon as possible. 
Yeah. So before Coach Burke uh, kind of left West Virginia and went to Penn State, uh, was West Virginia kind of up there as like Penn State, West Virginia were kind of those top two options for you when it came to um, the colleges that you were thinking about? Or just take us through kind of you said you were with your grandma when you got the notification Coach Burke was moving schools. Um, so how did that recruiting process change from Penn State and at West Virginia when Coach Burke kind of kind of decided to switch schools? Uh, yeah, so um, I played for U.S. Elite Baseball growing up. That was my travel ball program. And we actually had a tournament at West Virginia. And that's kind of where, like, I fell in love with the Morgantown campus. Like, I, I love Morgantown. Morgantown's cool. And I'm even lucky enough to play West Virginia um, at Penn State. So, like, I was able to go to Morgantown this year. So that was cool to, like, kind of have, like, a reunion. I don't want to yeah. call it a reunion because, like, I was never a Mountaineer. You know what I mean? Um, but – West Virginia was like the first school, the first big power five school that I talked to. So, you know, the adrenaline of being like, yo, like I'm good enough to play at this level. So I think that was what added to me being, okay, West Virginia is sweet. Um, but I also just think like, you know, like, yeah, I wanted to be a Mountaineer. You know, it was, it's awesome. You know, big 12 baseball, you get to play cool schools like TCU, Texas, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, like, I'm like hell yeah, I, w- I would want to be a I would want to be a mountaineer. That's cool. Who wouldn't want to be a mountaineer? You know what I mean? Um, but then, like I said, when I was telling you like about my recruitment process, like when Coach Burke left to go to Penn State, all the pieces were just falling and like leaning towards Penn State. And I'm just like, there's no way this is actually going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way that I'm actually going to be a Penn State any line, right? And then you know, I fell into place and. Like I said, I, I couldn't be happier with where I'm at. Yeah. You said Penn State's like two, you said two hours away from where you're from? Yeah. Okay. So if you did go to West Virginia, like how long, like how far is the West Virginia campus from where you're from in uh, PA? So I think it would have been like three and a half, I think. Like three and a half, four, depending traffic. It also depends on who's driving in my family too. Like I feel like if it's my parents, you know, we're going to get there pretty fast. Uh, but if it's my grandparents, it might take an extra hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, yeah, I don't think it was too far. I don't think it was too far. The only issue is it depends on which way you go. Cause like where I'm at, cause I'm kind of like Northeast Pennsylvania. Um, okay. so like you have to cut across most of Pennsylvania to go South. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, so as you were going through that process, uh, what were some of those, like you were just talking to Fordham, you said you kind of ruled them out because of the high education that they had. Um, you were talking mm. to West Virginia, talking to Penn State, talking to some other schools. Uh, what were some of those key things that you were looking for uh, just within a coaching staff, within a campus, um, just overall as a school? Just what were some of those key things you were looking for? Mm. So location. Location was big for me. Uh, Fordham, obviously being downtown Bronx, I told you earlier, like that just that freaks me out. Like I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be in the city. Um, I was always told that, you have to fall in love with the school before you fall in love with the coaching staff. Uh, because one thing about college baseball is like coaches aren't set in stone. You know what I mean? So like, if you have a coach that leaves, like if you don't go with them, do you still love the campus? Um, so I wanted to have a really nice campus. I wasn't really like concerned about size. Um, Cause I mean, Penn state has 40, 40,000 plus students, you know, um, compared to like, Fordham that maybe has 20 not even um so the size didn't really matter um baseball wise 
obviously any athlete wants to win. Um, so, I mean, if a team won, great. If they didn't, but most importantly, I kind of wanted to just go to a place where, you know, I was going to be loved. I was going to be, um, I was going to be able to play. Um, but more so just grow as a baseball player and a young man. You know what I mean? Because obviously, like, I have aspirations of playing professional baseball. You know, that's the overall goal. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, there is a time where you're done playing baseball. Of course. So, you know, I want to be able to have a good degree, have a good job to fall back on. But most importantly, you know, just be just be a good person, you know. So that's kind of how I was picking schools. I also wanted to go to a place where my parents were going to be able to come. Um, so, I mean, my dream school was South Carolina growing up. So obviously that's a little bit farther from Pennsylvania, but I know no matter where I went, like my family would have supported me, but it would have been nice to go to a school kind of in this general area, just so my parents could easily come to a midweek game. Yeah. Like that's, what's cool about Penn state is we can have a game on a Tuesday and my parents will be there, you know? So that's kind of how I pick and choose my schools. Yeah. So you, you also talk about your degree there, getting a good degree from whatever school you were planning on going to. Um, before mm -hmm. we started recording, you kind of explained to me what your degree is there at Penn State, but kind of take mm -hmm. the listeners through uh, kind of what, what all your plan is there with all the different papers you're getting and potentially what the plan is once baseball does come to an end, kind of what you're wanting to do beyond baseball. Yeah, so everyone buckle your seatbelts because this, kind of, this is kind of a long story. So I came in. I came into Penn State as a communications major, you know, didn't didn't like it after my sophomore year. I realized that I wanted to stay because I wanted to be a sports broadcaster growing up. OK, um, so I wanted to, you know, be able to be on ESPN, be on, you know, Big Ten Network, be that guy that like reads off all the sports stuff. Um, but then, you know, kind of fell away from that. And I was like, hey, I want to stay in the game of baseball. You know, I want to be able to be with athletes. I want to train with athletes and all that. So. My degree right now is Rec Parks Tourist Management in the words of Penn State, because Penn State doesn't have like a set in stone sports management degree. So my degree is going to be in commercial recreation, and then I'm going to have a minor in sports studies, which kind of gels together a sports management degree. And being a communications major for so long, I'm going to be able to have a communications minor. And then with the communications minor, I had to take a, a language. So I'm only like a class away from a Spanish minor. So I'll have that as well. Um, but basically what I want to do is at the end of the day, I want to coach. I want to be able to coach collegiately. I want to be a head coach at a collegiate baseball program or maybe like a hitting coach or an outfield coach at the professional level. Um, but if that doesn't you know, fall into place, the commercial recreation is going to be cool because I can own and like run my own training facility. Yeah. So anything where I can, you know, help young athletes and, you know, hopefully help them, you know, get the same opportunities that I did growing up. So that's yeah. kind of the whole goal. Well, you're going to be hearing your name a lot here there, uh, spring 2024 when it comes to graduation day. Uh, yeah. And all those getting all that name called for all those different papers. But yeah, hopefully we get all the papers to begin with. <laughs> that's the, that's the goal. That's the yeah. goal. Yeah. How, so Penn state classes, like, like how big, how big are they generally? Like when you're going to, let's say one of your sports studies classes, like how many people are generally in the class? So for sports studies, I mean, my classes range anywhere from 60 to over a hundred. Okay. I mean, I know, 
I have friends that are in huge auditoriums filled with people. Um, so that's kind of like when people think of Penn State, they think big school and they get scared because they're going to be in a class with 120 students. Um, but for most of my like major classes, like last year I took a class, we had maybe 25 kids in it. Okay. You know what I mean? So Penn State still offers kind of like that small school feel, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but I mean, it all just depends. Like usually your gen eds, I mean, it's probably the same at IU. You know what I mean? Yeah, like your gen similar, eds typically, yeah, yeah your, your gen eds usually have more people in it just because like you're not trying to teach the specific thing to a small group of people. But then as you get into like your major classes, they're smaller because obviously those are the people that care about those classes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I figured it was somewhat similar to IU, but then I saw yeah. that one guy, um, he's like a social media influencer. He, his saying is kick the sheets. Um, Brad Kraut. Yeah. Kraut. So yeah, he yeah. came to IU, I don't know, about month, month and a half ago for, it was, I don't know, some weekend came to it for a game and everyone obviously was like blowing this guy up saying how, who yeah. he was and he seems cool i looked at his stuff but i saw a video where he posted he was sitting in the front row of like a i don't know it was like 600 person classroom and i was like mm -hmm. me personally i haven't taken a 600 person class before i mean i've had 150 200 but 600 yeah. I was like, holy shit like that is a lot of people so i was just curious if penn state maybe just had those big auditoriums where i mean it's common but um no yeah yeah we have them we have them and i'm actually I was actually really lucky to, you know, meet Brad. He came to the baseball stadium and did like a segment with the baseball team. And I was able to actually meet him and, you know, spend some time with them. So I think if for, for your viewers and all that stuff, I definitely think you should check him out. He's, he's a very good dude. And, you know, it seems like he's had, he has a lot of knowledge when it comes to that stuff. So yeah. I would definitely check him out. Yeah. I think I, I think I followed him like without knowing he was a social media influencer when he was hired by, uh, um, who's your guys' quarterback? Uh, Sean Clifford. Yeah, when Clifford created his own NIL agency, I know Brad yep. was a part of that. And with me being an aspiring agent, like I've like dug into the NIL space just in terms of helping a couple guys. Um, so mm -hmm. I mean, he was a guy that I follow just to kind of see the stuff he was doing. Uh, and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, a year and a half later, I see him at IU. Uh, he has so many thousand followers, and um, he's just like a social media influencer. After I already followed him for a while, but yeah. Um, no, just digging more into kind of your time at Penn State, uh, moving away from the recruiting process. So you commit on that phone call. You said eight eight thirty at night in that fire de fire department parking lot. So after that happens, senior year of high school, COVID happens, and I know you said yeah. you have some crazy stories here about that COVID area era from your senior year of high school. Probably didn't get to play a game, I would assume, because I know I know it got it cut my season before it even started. Um, and then even your freshman year at Penn State, uh, just kind of take us through that COVID era a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, committed my junior year in November to Penn State. You know, I'm on top of the world, go through my junior baseball season, make the state semifinals, eventually lose the two of my teammates now, which still hurts to this day. Uh, but, you know, close the yearbook, Billy. Um, <laughs> but senior year rolls around, you know, I, just get announced as a captain of the baseball team, you know, super excited about that. Uh, looking to repeat as four-time champs of our league, three-time uh, three champs of our district, and, you know, hopefully get over the hump and even take – I went to Blue Mountain High School, take Blue Mountain to hopefully a state championship. You know, so I'm ready for that challenge. And 
I was in, I was in a media studies my senior year and, you know, we watched the news every day. Like that was our class. We watched the news and we talked about it and we're talking about this coronavirus. And I'm like, there's no way this is coming to the United States. You know what I mean? Like, this is like straight out of a movie. Yeah. You know, so baseball, so baseball practice rolls around. I almost think we're only like two weeks in and I still remember our AD comes down and pulls our coach aside and he's like, Hey, like we're going to shut down the school for two weeks. And I'm like, damn, like I never knew that was going to be my last time, you know, even stepping foot on our field. And our coach broke us the news and he's like, Hey, like, you know, we're going to close down school. I'm like, all right, we'll be back two weeks. We're fine. Yeah. We'll be back. It's not, it's not going to be anything. And then obviously, you know, we all know what that became. Um, so kind of leading in to my transition to Penn state is we usually have a summer session where we, you know, we get on campus, you know, we start training with our strength coach and all that stuff. We start learning the campus of Penn state. I didn't have that. Yeah. You know, like my summer session was online. I did it from my bed every single day. Um, so like, I really didn't get that transition period to state college, you know, Penn state and all that stuff. And I move in, I move in late August, literally three days before we start classes. All of my classes are online. So I don't have, you know, the in-class person experience as a freshman. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's like, and you understand, like, you know, it. you were a freshman during this time too. But then like adding athletics to it, we're in small groups, you know, I'm not able to create relationships with all the guys because Penn State had so many restrictions on anything that you guys did. And then crazy when my whole senior year of high school without getting COVID and we get on the campus, it's a day before we're able to start team practice. You know, we're finally able to get team practice and the whole baseball team gets COVID. Mm. Right. So now I'm out. I can't do anything. You know, I feel fine, luckily, but I have to move out of my dorm. They had like they had like special dorms where like you had to go to get COVID. And I still remember it to this day. My roommate tested positive before I did. So he went to like COVID positive room, you know, and then I had to go to a high contact room because they were, they didn't want me around anybody. Yeah. So then I actually, I was in the high contact room. I was, I took my, you know, I took my COVID test that we had to do because we took them weekly. And I'm sitting in Spanish class on my Zoom and I get a notification up in my, up in the top right of my um, computer. And we, we took our test through Volt and it said, your Volt results are back positive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm, I'm in, I'm in Spanish and I'm staring at the screen like this. I'm like, <laughs> and, my, and my professor, and my professor's like, um, Billy, are you okay? And I'm like, uh, professor, uh, I kind of got to go. Like I just <laughs> tested positive. I just tested positive for COVID and like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, she's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. Go like get saved. And I'm like, ah, like, it's fine. Like, like I felt fine at the time. Yeah. And then I woke up and I, I woke up the next morning and you know, they had a, they had hand delivered, you know, like they would just drop food off at our door and they'd knock on our door. We had to get it. And I remember, I'm eating this meal. I had steak, broccoli, 
cauliflower, rice, and they gave us like they call it a brookie here. It's a it's like a combination of a brownie and a cookie. Okay. And I'm sitting here eating this meal. And hence at this time, I don't like broccoli and I don't like cauliflower. And I'm just going to town on this food. I'm like, oh, I can't taste it. So yeah, <laughs> here we go. So I'm like, wow, all right, I have COVID. So you know, and then I remember the phone calls you know, with my family, they're freaking out. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, it's all right. Like I'm good. Um, but it's crazy because I didn't have a single practice my freshman year because we had to, we had to wait to get our hearts checked. We had to get all these testing to make sure that we were good to return to play. And my freshman year, it was like an extended winter break. Like we went home right before Thanksgiving. Like it was like two weeks before oh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we yeah, had I, Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then like we were home. So I was home from like November 5th to January 9th. Yeah. I had one week of practice on my home field. I wasn't even allowed to go to the facility until I got like cleared to do everything. You know what I mean? So like me trying to stay in shape, like I would, we had like a, we had a gym that my buddy would take us like off, off campus, you know, where we would be able to train me and my buddies would go to like the open intramural yards and like throw football around, like run routes, like just trying to stay active. Like it was the fall semester. My freshman year was such a blur, such a blur. And then we come back after winter break and now we're expected, you know, to compete, to compete for a starting job. Yeah. And, you know, I, I still remember to this day, they're like, Hey, like the big 10, like, we don't know if we're going to play and all that. And then the big 10 came that they're going to do conference only. And, you know, it's going to be limited travel rosters. And, you know, I was lucky enough. I was lucky enough to make the travel roster my freshman year. I didn't play. I ended up redshirting. So like that whole time period, I'm like, I'm a mental case. I have no idea what's going on. I have no confidence in myself. You know, I don't even, I don't even know. Like I felt like I should have been playing my freshman year. Like I had teammates telling me that I was playing my freshman year just because like you have that adrenaline as like an athlete, Yeah. you know, and you have like, you're like, you're like, I should be playing. But like, I also understand like I'm a freshman, but I'm also a freshman during probably arguably one of the hardest times that ever going to happen in my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I'm mental, like, I can't hit, I can't do anything, like, I'm going crazy, like, I'm like, I'm calling my mom and dad, I'm like, I'm like, God, like, I can't do this, you know what I mean, like, I can't do this, but then, you know, like, I don't even know what happened, something clicked, I kind of just said, you know, I just, I, I just said, you know, whatever, like, I'm just gonna go out, I'm just gonna be me, so then, you know, I started, I started competing in the inner squads more because how we only played on weekends. So then we would inner squad during the week, play on weekends. Um, and then I started performing in the inner squads. You know, I started getting my confidence back and then I was like, okay, like I can do this. You know what I mean? I can do this. Yeah. And then, you know, um, I, like I said, I redshirted and I actually skipped the last two weekends because my summer ball, my summer ball team was starting up and I was like, Hey, I was like, hey, Coop, he's our head coach, Rob Cooper. I go, hey, Coop, like, do you mind if I leave for summer ball? Like, I want, like, I want to get going. So, like, I can, I can come back here and I can, you know, I can be ready to go. And he's like, yeah, absolutely go. So then, you know, me not playing in a competitive game of baseball in two years, 
go out to normal Illinois. I'm playing for the normal corn belters in the prospect league. First half of the, uh, first half of the year, I actually led the league in strikeouts, led the league in strikeouts. And I'm like, damn, like I suck. Like I'm done. You know what I mean? But then things started clicking and I actually finished the summer hitting 325. I had like 10 home runs, you know, over 40 RBIs. Like my OPS was through the roof. Like I had, I had video game numbers, video game numbers. And then I was like, okay, maybe I am that guy. You know what I mean? So that transition from, and I was also in the Midwest too. So like COVID didn't exist out there. My summer, (laughs) the end of the summer. Well, I mean, I'm from a a small town in Indiana. COVID didn't exist in my hometown at all. That's what I'm saying. Until I got to, until I got to IU campus, that's when I, that was kind of when I first kind of got the whole COVID experience because hometown acted as if nothing was going on. So yeah, no, it was cool out in the Midwest. I was like, damn, like I'm walking in the Walmart. I don't have to wear a mask. I'm like, damn, this is awesome. This is great. But, you know, but like I like I needed that summer. You know, I needed that summer. It got me my confidence back. And then I was, you know, I was fortunate enough to come back my sophomore year, you know, ride off of that summer that I had. And, you know, luckily enough for me, earn a starting job as a redshirt freshman. So, you know, I think. I mean, as much as I don't want to say it, I think I needed COVID to find out who I was. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of my whole fun transition to Penn State. It was an interesting okay. one. Well, you've got, a, I've got a lot of questions to bounce off that now, <laughs> uh, but no. So you said your freshman year during the whole COVID thing, the COVID restrictions that Penn State and the Big Ten kind of put on was just having mm-hmm. you guys in small groups. And that kind of restricted you from building good relationships with the entire Penn State team. Uh, but no, when, during your freshman year, who are some of those guys on that Penn State team, some of the upperclassmen who kind of maybe took you under your wing a little bit or kind of taught you most uh, just about the college life and just the college uh, way of playing ba- uh, college baseball? Yeah, so um, like like I told you, I really didn't know who I was coming into Penn State, you know, because like I just missed my senior year. You know, I had no idea what was going on. I actually came into Penn State as an infielder, believe it or not. Um, and then, you know, after the first day of practice, uh, the third – our third baseman at the time, my freshman year, Justin Williams, uh, he ended up getting drafted by the Houston Astros. So there was no shot of me playing third base. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Coop was like, hey, BG, uh, he might want to go to the outfield. And I'm like, hey, sounds good to me. Um, but, you know, to that day, I'll still remember that conversation because I feel like it changed my whole career. Um, but to answer your question, um, there's the, there was this guy. It's, and it's different. It's different for the years because, like, I still have guys helping me out now. But it's nice because I can still like transition and I can be that guy for the younger guys. But yeah. my freshman year, um, outfield wise, it was uh, it was Curtis Robeson. He's now a uh, he's now a grad student at Gardner Webb. He's playing baseball down there. Um, he really he really took me under his wing and was kind of like, hey, like you're gonna be my freshman, you know, kind of just like kind of just like watch what I do because he was the right fielder at the time and now I'm the right fielder. So like I was able to like you know, see how he played the walls. Cause we have a really big wall at Penn okay. state. We have the same, we have the same dimensions at PNC of PNC, the Pirates stadium. So you know how they have that big wall. Yeah. So he was like, he's like, Hey, like you gotta be ready. If the ball bounces off this, like play this corner. So he really helped me out when it came to that. Um, and then we also have like a, like a boat buddy system at Penn state. It's kind of like we break our team into small groups and then you have like a boat buddy and you have a boat captain and like that's kind of just like your small group, like if you need anything. Um, so 
my freshman year boat buddy was Matt Wood. He was just the, you know, he, he got, I think he got jibbed the big 10 player of the year uh, last year. You know, he was, he arguably had the best season a Penn state and the Lion had last year. So if remember that name, cause he's going to be good. <laughs> um, but he was just a fourth, he was just a fourth round pick for the Milwaukee Brewers last year. So he was my freshman year boat buddy. So he really helped me with my transition. But what's nice is, for the most part, everybody was so welcoming my freshman year, just because like they knew the circumstances that we were in. And they honestly all just felt genuinely so bad for us. And they're like, look, like I couldn't imagine like coming in and like this being your first year of college. And, you know, and I still have, there's still guys on the team like Tyson Cooper, Taven Kelly, uh, Johnny Piacentino, like all those guys that were there my freshman year that were only sophomores that are still helping me to this day. You know, it's just nice now that like, you know, I have some experience underneath my belt. I have some knowledge that I'm able to pass to the younger guys, but you know, it was just such a hard time, but everybody was just so, so welcoming when it came. And then last year, um, when I finally, you know, I cracked the starting lineup. I was, I was fortunate enough to be a day one starter. Um, Cole Bartles, he, he no longer plays baseball, but he's arguably the longest tenured Nittany Lion to ever play the game of baseball. I swear he played seven years of baseball for Penn State. He graduated at like 24. We called him literally grandpa. <laughs> um, yeah, but he, you know, he was, he was, uh, he was kind of like a hybrid. He played first base and left field for us. And he was kind of just like, yo, like, I'm telling you, the season's a grind. Like, you got to do this. You got to do that. Uh, so he really helped me with, like, my transition to, like, playing. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm I'm thankful for those guys. You know, I can't – like, I, I, I never took those times for granted. And, you know, I think without those guys helping me and, you know, just leading me in the right direction, you know, I would, I would still probably be clueless. You know, I would eventually – figure it out but you know it's nice having older guys that genuinely care about you genuinely care about the program and want to succeed and want you to succeed so that's kind of just you know the guys that helped me out and all that yeah so when coach cooper told you to move from third base to the outfield obviously when you're playing behind a guy who gets drafted in the fourth round i mean like being a freshman you're not going to get much playing time but what was that transition process like transitioning from being a cor- being a corner infitter playing at third base kind of your entire life, like you said, um, and then mm-hmm. transitioning to the outfield when you get to college, like what was some of the difficulties doing that? And what was that transition process? Um, honestly, one of the biggest thing, it actually, believe it or not, it actually wasn't that, it wasn't that bad. Cause I feel like a transition from an outfielder to an infielder is harder than an infielder to an outfielder. You know what I mean? I, I definitely say when I moved to the outfield, the pace of the game slowed down. Um, just because, you know, I don't have to be ready for a 110 ground ball, Yeah, you know, pissed on at me, you know, um, but the transition was pretty easy. Um, it wasn't bad because in the scheme of things, you see a ball hit in the air, you go get it. So, um, but it, it just, just a lot of practice. Like I take, I take a lot of, a lot of pride in my defense, a lot of pride in my defense. I like being able to tell the guys on the team that I catch everything. Cause you know, I, I 100% solely believe that I catch everything. I may, I, I've made some pretty cool catches in my life that, you know, I, I just, I amaze myself. Um, but, you know, very, very, very like thankful and fortunate that I'm able to do that. You know what I mean? Um, but just kind of 
the biggest thing is I didn't know like where I was going to be. I didn't know if I was going to be in center or if I was going to be on the corners because realistically center field's the easiest because it's straight on balls. Don't really tail. Yeah. But like, once you get to, once you get to the corners, like right field for me is you have a righty that slices it to the, down the line. You have a lefty that can, you know, slice it into the gap. Like there's all these different, like the way the balls move. We have rules at Penn state, like where the ball needs to go with runners on, like if a ball's hit to me, like always throw to the base ahead. You know what I mean? And there was like so many rules where I was like, wow, this ain't, this isn't high school baseball anymore. Like there's so much going on. And I was so sped up in my head. I was like, geez, like, I just wish I could get the ball and just throw it to someone. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but once, like, once I was able to, like, play the position a little bit, and I definitely learned a lot about myself when I went out to Illinois for summer ball, because realistically, like, that's where I learned how to play baseball. Like, I took everything that I learned from Penn State, and I was like, okay, now I just have to apply it. You know, so um, that was kind of just everything that, you know, went on in that process. Um, but realistically I thought the process was the transition was easy and you know I definitely thank coach Cooper for doing it just because I feel like it definitely revived my career yeah so you said that makes sense yeah and so you said center field in a way is kind of the easiest position when it comes to uh because everything's just straight on um so you said you're the starting right fielder right now have you always Mm kind of just did you kind of just go straight from third base to right field or when during that transition process, I know you said in your mind you're thinking, okay, you don't know if you're playing center, right, or left. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever have a couple games like last season that you weren't playing right field, or was it basically pretty much right field the whole time? Yeah. So um, going back, I'm gonna in these in this in these stories, I'm gonna be going back to normal a lot just because that's like, okay. I mean, the coaches like they knew what they wanted to do for me. So when I went out to normal, I was the center fielder. Mm-hmm. and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, all right, Johnny Piacentino is a stud. Like he just hit 288 with us for, with like six bombs. Like this guy's a stud. Like he ain't coming out of the, he ain't coming out of center field. So then like I played center field for like 40 games out there. And then I was like, Hey guys, like we should probably, you know, try to branch off and see if I can play like right and left and all that. But then came back, came back to school after that. And didn't really know what I wanted, like, didn't really know what I was doing. They actually had me paired with Johnny at center. So, like, I was kind of, like, Johnny's understudy. But, like, I had an idea that I was going to be playing. You know what I mean? I just didn't know where. Um, But it was also nice because it was competition with Johnny. Like, Johnny was arguably, you know, one of our best outfielders from the year prior. So, it was nice to be able to compete with him, be able to learn from him, see what his thought process is when he's playing outfield. Um. So then it's crazy because Johnny actually had a thumb injury and then it led into the season. So I'm like, holy shit, what's going to go on now? So then game one, I DH because Johnny tried to play. And then Johnny was like, look, like I can't do it. And then now I find myself game two starting in center field. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And then I was actually lucky enough to play center field when we played UVA against our UVA series. And they like broke their attendance record for like 
I don't even remember what it was, but I'm playing center field for the Penn State Nittany Lions in front of 4,000 people in Virginia. And I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> like, this is crazy. Like, I, I turn around and there's like, Virginia had like a big section right here filled with people. And I'm like, damn, I hope I don't mess up. Like, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Um, but then once Johnny like started getting healthy and all that stuff, I made the transition to right field. And I was like, okay, like, here we go. Like, this is going to be crazy. And then believe it or not, I actually think the first time I played right field, the first ball of the game was hit to me. And I was like, okay, like, I'm good. I'm good. And then I think I only played like two games and left. And then they're just like, nah, Billy, you're going to be the right fielder. Um, So that was kind of like how that kind of fell into place. And then I I played right field the rest of the year. Okay. So So. So when you were going to the field, not really knowing what position you'd be playing in terms of center, right, or left, and you didn't have like an everyday position, did you have a different mindset when it came to playing the playing left, center, or right field? Or did you kind of have the same mindset just because, I mean, it's all the same. It's all the outfield. It's all kind of the mm-hmm. same, but also each position's very different as well. Yeah, I would say same mindset, but different approach. You know what I mean? Just because same mindset, you see the ball, go get it. You know what I mean? The approach is different just because you have to be like, okay, like I have to cover. Like if you're in the center field, you have two gaps. If you're on the corners, you have a gap and a line. So like it's the positioning is all different. So I would say same mindset, different approach. Okay. So you said you freshman year, you asked coach Cooper, if you can go ahead, leave a little bit early, go kind of get rolling with your summer ball team. Um, you go do that, which I do want to dig into. But before we dig mm-hmm. into summer ball, um, when you came back to Penn State that fall season, uh, what was it like in terms of COVID? Like, was there still a lot of restrictions when it came to that Penn State baseball team? Because I know here at IU, uh, at IU, like our baseball team still had some, I mean, we had restrictions until this February. Like it was crazy yeah. in terms of COVID restrictions. So at Penn State, what was that like? Uh, probably the same thing, realistically, probably the same thing. You know, we still had to wear masks in buildings, um, but we were able to like do stuff like we weren't getting, cause we were all, we were all vaccinated. We were all vaccinated. We were all boosted for the most part. At least I was. Um, and like, I didn't have to test weekly. You know what I mean? So like I was able to avoid the hassle of potentially missing. Um, we had, we had some issues, like we had, we had guys that would test positive, but like they would be back in three days just because they were vaccinated and all that. So like we were able to do stuff like we were able to do stuff as like a team. So it made preparation for the season a lot easier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So dig it into summer ball a little bit. I did see, I believe you played summer ball before the summer of COVID before your freshman year or no. No. So I played summer ball my freshman year after COVID. So it would have been like, if I moved in my freshman year, it would have been the following summer Okay, going into my sophomore year. Okay. That, okay. Now that, now that makes sense. I was looking at baseball reference and I saw summer college summer, but now I guess that makes sense since freshman year, you redshirted. So I guess I just did that wrong, Uh, but no, kind of take us through uh, that first summer ball season. You're in between your freshman, sophomore year, kind of what the day-to-day was like, obviously you said you found yourself and started, you dominated that league near the end of the season. Uh, So just take us through that summer a little bit. Yeah. So I was actually, I was very fortunate enough to go out with two of my best friends from the team. Uh, They're no longer at Penn state, but you know, I still talk to them to this day. So I didn't go out there alone, which is nice. Um, But you know, we were all grinders. So like we were working out every day, like we were hitting every day, but 
um out there is kind of where i learned where i was like okay like you know like i'm training too hard because like you play every day realistically you only have one off you only have one off day a week um so like i really had to learn to take care of my body um i actually learned how to cook out there so you know i was able to you know do some grown-up stuff out there um but kind of just like the day by day is like i would wake up i'd go to the gym i'd eat and i'd go to the field for early work like that's that was my day and I did it every single day. And then after the game, I'd come home, play video games, you know, do my thing, wind down. Um, but it was nice cause I wasn't doing it alone. Yeah. You know, like I was doing it with guys that I was comfortable with guys that I was familiar with. And, you know, I'm very thankful. I had an awesome, awesome host family out there. I, li- I lived on a golf course, you know? So like I was able to, I was able to really, you know, enjoy Illinois. Yeah. Um, but now we can skip to this past summer ball, a little bit different experience because I went by myself. You know what I mean? I was supposed to go out with uh, one of my buddies on the team, uh, Chad Rogers, but unfortunately last year he got hit in the face with a line drive. So like he was like, he, they were like, Hey, like we don't want you doing anything over the summer and all that just to like potentially risk another chance of that. So I went out, I, I was in Danbury, Connecticut in the NACBL this past year. I'm actually going back this year. Um, that transition was hard because I was all by myself, didn't know what to do. I was actually, so Danbury is right on the border of Connecticut and New York. Okay. And my host family was actually in New York. So I was an hour away from, I was like an hour away from Danbury because it was traffic, New York traffic. Yeah. So like, I had to be like, okay, so like, if we play, if I have to be at the field for two thirty for early BP, like I gotta wake up at, I gotta wake up at nine thirty ten so I can eat, go to the gym, you know, do my thing and all that. So like, summer ball is really where you try to find a routine, you know, and then like you stick by that routine. So like, fresh my freshman summer, super easy to get into a routine. This past summer, hard to get into a routine. You know, so that's kind of just like the whole, like the whole summer ball experience. I mean, cause at the end of the day, you're still playing baseball, of course, you know, yeah. and there's so many, like, there's just so many outside stuff from the game of baseball because like when, as soon as first pitch to the last pitch, like you're just playing baseball, you're just in a different area. You know what I mean? I think the struggle of summer ball is getting comfortable, getting comfortable with your routine, getting comfortable with, you know, your teammates and all that stuff, like kind of kind of crazy when you think about it like i'm just i was i was a 19 year old kid living in danbury connecticut and i'm like i'm like i'm like geez like what what's going on here yeah so but yeah i mean that's kind of like the whole you know the whole summer ball thing yeah and another transition of summer ball is obviously using a wood bat compared to aluminum where you're in college which i I assume you playing for us elite you probably went to the wwba where you had to use a wood bat anyway but what yep. is that transition process of going from a metal bat to a wood bat? I mean, because obviously I didn't play, I didn't go play college ball or anything, so I I never got that opportunity to use use that wood bat. I all aluminum. Uh, so what is what yeah. is that like differences when it comes to wood to, versus aluminum? Yeah, so you're actually you're you're gonna laugh at this. So you know, at Penn State, I used the uh, I used the DeMarini the Goods last year. You know, great bat, very forgiving, very forgiving. Um, I go to Danbury, I leave with. So one of my, one of my best friends from home, he, uh, he plays for the New York Mets. Well, he's a free agent now, but I'm just going to say he's, 
he's with the New York Mets, uh, Travis Blankenhorn. He actually has, you know, uh, big league time. You know, he, he, he's my big brother. He's my big brother. So he sent me, I get my bats through him. He sends me out. He sends me out bats. Now the funny part of this story is um, you let me know how this transition went. First game of the year. I broke two bats. Ooh. First game of the year. I broke two bats. Then I go another game, survive a game. And then I go up to, I go up to North Adams, Massachusetts, and I actually barrel a ball. Like I'm talking like, I'm talking a hundred mile per hour exit below and my bat breaks. So I'm three days into summer ball and I already have three broken bats. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And I call my family. I'm like, Hey guys, like I need bats. Like this isn't good. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's just different though, because like with a metal bat, you can get jammed. Obviously you're probably not going to get a hit, but like you get jammed. You're you're not going to break a bat. Yeah. You get jammed. You're good. You you cap a ball. You're good. It's whatever. It hurts. It's fine. With a wood bat. If you get sawed off with 93, that bat's done. That bat's done. So that was, I mean, that was my transition uh, this past year, but like just in general, I use, I train with wood as much as I can, just because, you know, like smaller barrel, you want to be able to, you know, manipulate your barrel the way that you want to be when it comes to making contact with the baseball. Um, So that's kind of just like the transition's easier when it comes to that, because I'm so used to using wood because I use it whenever I'm not like at Penn state practice. Yeah. Um, It's just like, it's not as forgiving. You know what I mean? And like, if you break a bat, like it is what it is. Like it happens every day. Yeah. You and know, do you, have a, certain, do you so, have a certain bat brand that you, that you prefer, or I mean, with you breaking them at, at first, did you kind of give it a switch? Did that go through your mind at all? Uh, no. So I, I started using birch out in Illinois and I absolutely adore birch bats. There's just something about it. Like they start off soft, but then as you move it, they get more dense. Yeah. Like as you use it, they get more dense. And I absolutely love the pop off of birch. And it's like, it's not as heavy as maple, uh, but it's not as like weak as ash. Um, but bat companies, I swing a lot of B45. Um, they're a Canadian company. I'm pretty sure it's Carlos Gonzalez's bat company. Okay. But that was also the bat company that my buddy used. So I was able to get bats through him. Um, I use Chandler. I like Chandler a lot. They're, they're a Pennsylvania wood um, Victus too. Uh, they're a Pennsylvania wood. So I'm fortunate enough to, you know, I was only two hours from Victus and Chandler. So like, if I needed a wood bat, I could just go to the company straight up and be like, Hey, like, can I buy a bat from you guys? Yeah. Um, so those are kind of like my top three wood bats that I use, but like B45 birch. That's, that's, that's my shit. Okay. <laughs> that's my go. shit. <laughs> yeah. I got a, I got a buddy who owns a bat company. He's, he's about to be major league certified. Um, when it comes to like, I guess bat companies have to be major league certified to have major league ball players use their bats. And I, I just stopped by his facility the other day going home because I live four hours north of Bloomington and he's kind of okay. like halfway point. So I stopped by, had some lunch and was at his facility and we were just talking about bats and I've never really like kind of seen the science of making a bat and kind of mm-hmm. what it's like. And he was talking about a player who had like an NIL deal with him and, um, I get, I mean, I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but uh, like he was like, he, he was getting some sliders in on him uh, that was ripping, like that was breaking his bat. And he was saying it's because the bat company's bats weren't great, but he wasn't like making solid contact. And like, that was mm-hmm. something that even crossed my mind in terms of wood bats, because I mean, like I said, I never used wood bats. So 
Um, I never broke a bat in reality. So um, it, it was cool to kind of see the whole, see the whole science of how a bat's made and the whole process, the whole science of like, well, if you get a slider in and um, inside and uh, you saw it off, then you're going to break it. Or if you hit it on the, the cap, you're going to break it as well. Um, so, I mean, that's super cool to see. Um, I mean, that's just something that interests me, but I was, I was just, yeah. Um, yeah. So you, um, your sophomore year, you ended up playing, I believe it was, you played in 54 games, started, I think, with 50, 52 of them or some, yep. something like that. Uh, so what was yeah. the hardest thing about that transition of going from, you know, not playing college uh, college ball your freshman year, uh, pr- playing pretty well in summer ball in between your freshman and sophomore year, to now uh, you're actually playing every day at that college level. So just what was that toughest transition, the, the toughest thing about finally playing college ball and facing that type of competition? Yeah, I, I would definitely just say the speed of the game realistically you know um you know college baseball college baseball is tough in general like baseball is just tough in general um so like the speed of the game for like my first couple games were like wow like I'm actually like like I'm here I'm wearing a Penn State uniform and I'm playing so I think like the speed of the game was definitely one of the hardest transitions but also kind of just like gaining the confidence of the coaches gaining the confidence of my teammates being like okay like Billy Billy's gonna do this for us you know what I mean? And like giving them, you know, the assurance that they need that they're like, okay, like Billy's going to go out and ball for us. You know what I mean? Um, so I would say that was hard. I would also say just the pitching in general. Um, I thought, I thought the big 10 pitching was pretty good this year. Uh, there was a couple guys that made me go home at night and really contemplate stuff. <laughs> um, but you know, I just like, I really, like I've never seen a splitter before. Like I've never seen a good slider or a good changeup. And then like seeing these pitches, I'm like, damn, like this is like, this is some big league stuff here. You know what I mean? Like my, we opened up with, we opened up with Rutgers at, in, in Penn state. And they're like, Hey, BG, you're going to hit lead off for us today. So I'm like, geez, like I'm making my big 10 debut batting leadoff. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do. So I was just like, all right, I'm just going to sit fastball, see what I can do. Uh, I hit a triple off the wall. Thank thank God. (laughs) Uh, But it's like, but like, that's when I was like, okay, cool. Confidence. Bang. Like I can do this. But then like throughout the game, I start getting sliders that have like a 14 inch break or like a changeup that looks like a fastball, but dies or like a splitter. And I'm like, what is this you know so I think like I think just like pitching in general like that was a tough transition and then also just like having having the confidence in yourself like I went I I don't even think I had a hit the whole month of April like I was like I was 0 for 28 0 for 31 like I was in like I was in the depths of hell like I was not doing good mental mentally like I was like and, you know, like, it's baseball, too. Like, everybody understands it. Like, as soon as you start struggling, you're like, okay, what's wrong with my swing? What's wrong with this? And, like, the, just everything sped up. And you're like, wow, like, this is crazy. So, like, kind of just having the confidence in yourself, you know, like that. I think that's one of the hardest things, making a transition to a collegiate sport in general, not even just baseball. Like, just having the confidence in yourself and being like, okay, like, I can do this. You know, because, like, you're you're your own worst enemy. Yeah, of course. 
yeah so i would i would just say that i think that was like the hardest transition just all of those factors coming into play and you know i'm just i'm just a 19 year old kid from schuylkill county pennsylvania and it's like geez like wow like this is this is real life you know what i mean so that that's kind of the transition yeah. So now having a full season underneath your belt, kind of being that junior, being a little uh, an upperclassman. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. even it feels odd because you had the whole COVID freshman year, and now you're mm-hmm. considered an upperclassman. Uh, what's yeah. that? What's that been like? Uh, kind of going from the guy who the upperclassmen are taking underneath their wing to now being that guy who's coming back with experience, playing, being an everyday player last year, and now there's mm-hmm. freshmen, sophomores who are looking up to you for advice. Uh, what's that been mm-hmm. like? Just becoming that type of guy. Yeah, so I actually – I had a really interesting fall this year. Um, I actually, first day of practice, dove for a ball, and I, you know, I tore something in my thumb. So I was out I was out four weeks of the fall. Um, but, you know, I'm very, I'm very thankful and fortunate enough to be named a team captain this year. Um, so, like, I really have taken over that captain role, and especially when I was hurt, too. Like, I didn't want to just be, like, that bum that was just, like – woe is me. I'm hurt. I can't do anything. Like I was actually like, I was out with the outfielders. Like I was trying to get the younger guys. I was like, Hey, like if a ball's hit here, like do this, you know what I mean? And like, just giving them like any input and feedback that I can. Cause you know, like I had so many guys, like I was always telling you earlier, like I had so many guys that took me under their wing and like taught me, like I would be a fool to like, not, help people and I also just helps it also just helps the team chemistry in general you know like when the younger guys go like okay like Billy helps me out today like that means a lot to me you know and I think like I had a very unique opportunity this fall even though like I wasn't playing or I wasn't competing but like I was able to still be a part of the team and I was like able to help out and you know be be the team guy, you know what I mean? And just show that like, I do care about them. I do care about all that stuff. So I think it's been, it's been fun this year. You know, I think, I think we're going to have a good team. I think we're going to have a good team. We have a lot of guys that care. We have a lot of guys that want to win and all that stuff. So, you know, this year, especially coming from like an upperclassman role, it all just like feels and looks different. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I've been here, like this is my third year here. Like, I know how it works. Like, I know how it operates and all that. So, like, it just, like, everything, like, like, I can sit in my locker and take a deep breath and be like, okay, like, this is going to be a good day. You know what I mean? So, I think just, like, the whole perspective on, you know, experience, I think that allows for it to be a lot easier. So besides yourself on that Penn State baseball team, so when IU comes to Penn State or you guys come to IU, whatever, I don't know, I haven't looked at the schedule, whatever that is, when you guys mm-hmm. do play each other and I, you know, I'm watching that game paying attention, besides yourself, who are some other guys I should be on the lookout for on this upcoming spring uh, Penn State's team? And then even beyond that, what do you think, what are you guys thinking about this Big Ten competition and how you guys fit into that? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we don't really know our schedule yet this year, uh, but we know like some of the general Big Ten teams that we play, and like, like we have we have a tough Big Ten we have a, we have a tough Big Ten schedule this year. Uh, so you know, we're really gonna have to you know we're gonna have to bear down as a team, and we're gonna have to compete. Um, but that like I'm not worried about that because like I know we're gonna do that. Um, if you're a scout or just you know just a fan of baseball in general, uh, I'm definitely paying attention to um, our shortstop Jay Harry. Um, he's getting looks at um, by some big league teams. He's in my class. Um, 
But if you were to look at him, you would be like, how does this kid play baseball? Like he's the type of guy that doesn't wear batting gloves, doesn't wear accessories. You know, I'm surprised he even wears sunglasses to play baseball. <laughs> but he is just so silky smooth when it comes to the game. And like defensively, he has a cannon of an arm. You know, like I said, no batting gloves. So he's just standing in the batter's box with a bat in his hand, you know, like straight out of like the 1920s. But he'll still hit 330 for you. Like he's actually unbelievable. Um, I'm looking at Josh Spiegel. Um, Josh Spiegel hits absolute nukes. Like he is unreal when it comes to hitting unreal uh, he's probably going to be our catcher this year we don't know if he's going to be our catcher or first baseman um i mean we just we have so many guys off the mound uh i'm looking at uh daniel outerkirk he uh he just transferred from us as a grad a grad transfer from west virginia uh he's six nine and throws 97 um so obviously your eyes are just going to gravitate towards him to begin yeah. with and then i'm also looking at uh i'm also looking at travis lundsman um he he throws 95 he's about six five you know so we have like we have some guys on this team like and that's just the name of few yeah. like I, I i know my buddies are gonna watch this podcast and they're gonna be like yo bg like why didn't you call me out it's because like i just think we're gonna like i just think we're just gonna be good like we just have guys that like we were such a young team last year with not a bunch of experience but like all these guys now like have college experience underneath our belt so like I just like I hope so. I I mean at least I know so, but I hope like like we're just a fun team to watch. You know what I mean? So that's what you know, I would say. I, and yeah. I, I'm definitely looking forward to that Penn State IU series because I mean if you yeah. guys play, I assume well, I think play, we do. I think we do. Okay, because yeah, I mean I think both years so far, my freshman and sophomore, you guys both played. I actually I remember the weekend you guys were here at IU because I think that might have been opening weekend. Um, I know you yeah. guys, I know Penn State was in Bloomington. My buddies were all in town, and obviously uh fans weren't allowed into the game, which I was pissed all season. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had a good team. We had like four pitchers drafted, three uh position players drafted. Like I wanted to go watch those guys, but we couldn't because of the whole COVID restrictions. Um, you couldn't even stand outside the stadium and watch. It was a bunch of bunch of stuff that you know, whatever. But I I was walking around downtown Bloomington. And I just see all these people wearing uh, Penn State uh, sweatshirts and hats. And I'm like, mm -hmm. like, what the hell's going on? And then obviously yeah. I didn't pay attention to the schedule because I couldn't go. I didn't know. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, shit, those are some baseball players. Um, so I assume yeah. you guys play. And I'm definitely looking forward to that uh, this upcoming mm -hmm. spring. Uh, but digging yeah. a little bit deeper into the Big Ten, uh, when you were playing last year, if you can remember or just re even remember the name or remember what it is, who was maybe the toughest pitcher you faced? Um, in Big Ten play last year, if you can put a put a uh, a face to the name or a name to the face, uh, Savakul from Maryland. I don't even have to hesitate. I don't even have okay. to hesitate when it comes to him. Um, so it was he was Maryland's Sunday pitcher last year, and um, he was about. So our scouting report, our scouting report was completely wrong, in my opinion. Our coaches are going to argue. Um, but this man was throwing like 94 power sinkers, power sinkers, slider that moved this much and his arm slots from here. Um, he struck me out three times that day. And I remember it was like the eighth inning and I was getting ready to go up for my fourth at bat. And Coop was like, Hey, uh, BG, I'm going to let, 
I'm going to let someone hit for you. And I'm just like, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. Like, like, I don't want to face, I don't want to face him. Um, but there was also, um, there's also this kid from Iowa. Um, I don't remember his name, but he was a lefty. He only threw, he only threw, uh, he only threw like 75, but like he was from here. And I'm like, geez, I'm like, this ain't fun. Um, so those are kind of just like the big 10 guys that we faced. Um, but realistically, like I thought, I thought the big 10 had some pretty good starters last year. You know what I mean? I thought, yeah. Um, but those are just the two that I was like, geez, like, I don't, I don't want to step in the box against you guys again. I know. I mean, I know at IU, I mean, we've got Justin Glant, who's the old New York Yankees AAA uh, pitching coach. I mean, so yeah. we've produced, like I said, my our freshman year, uh, we produced four pitchers who were drafted, three the three weekend starters and then a reliever. Last year, mm-hmm. we got two starters and then our closer were drafted. And this year, um, if our guys – we've got – if our guys were eligible, I think we would probably get all three Friday, Saturday, Sunday guys drafted. I think they're all sophomores. I don't think any of them are draft eligible. So, I mean, hopefully yeah. we have a good next uh, two years, my, my junior, senior year, and watch those guys dominate. Um, no, but let's let's transition a little bit to travel ball. So I know you played for mm-hmm. US Elite, good, good travel mm-hmm. ball organization. I'm sure they have some great alumni. I actually didn't look them up. I generally do uh, when I talk about travel organizations just to see some of yeah. the guys. Uh, but no, US Elite, good good baseball program. I know when I go to different tournaments, like that's one of the teams that people want to go watch. Um, so just take us through how you kind of got connected with them and just what your overall experience was playing for US Elite. Yeah, so uh, I was I was 12. I played I only played for one travel ball team growing up. I was uh, from 12 years old to uh, 17. I played for US Elite, but my uh, my cousin who played baseball at Bucknell. Uh, he played for US Elite growing up and also one of my buddy, um, Travis Blankenhorn, uh, he played for US Elite when they were Chandler baseball. And like all these guys that like I trained with from home, like Nico Holsize is another one. He's in uh, he's in the Rays organization. They all played for US Elite and they were like, hey, like, I think I think it would be a good fit for you. Like you should try out. So, you know, I was lucky enough to try out, you know, make the team um, created so many memories uh, played with some really good dudes. Uh, eventually, when I was 17 on the U.S. Uh, U.S. Elite National Team, our whole starting lineup was D1. You know, so I was able to, you know, I was able to play with some really, really, really good, good players. Um, but also just like just the, you know, just the opportunity that I had. You know, like every weekend we were either, you know, playing for a perfect game national championship or we were on a college campus. Yeah. You know, so I I would never I would never take those times for granted. You know, because I feel like if it wasn't for U.S. Elite, like I realistically, I, I'm probably not playing Division One baseball. I'll, I'm probably playing baseball, but not, you know, at such a, you know, a high power five school like Penn State, yeah. you know, because I was able to get the exposure that I needed. So you mentioned there you've got a bunch of cool, just different memories when you're playing for U.S. Elite. You mentioned all the different major league alumni or major league prospects that you played with in the past. Some other guys mm-hmm. who are playing power five baseball as well. Um, but no, if you could kind of just go through just some of your favorite memories, just playing travel ball, just traveling the country. I'm assuming going to East Cobb, Lake Point, Hoover, uh, potentially probably going to Arizona as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Just take us through what some of those favorite memories are uh, that you just remember when you're thinking about travel ball playing for US Elite. Man, there, there's so many. And I tell you what, most of the memories, believe it or not, like don't even come from playing baseball. 
you know, I feel like all the memories are made just because like you go to these places, like you go to like such cool, like cool venues. Like I remember when we would go down, I'm I'm a Phillies fan. So like when we went down to Georgia and I'm in brand new, it was SunTrust at the SunTrust at the time, but I'm in the new truest park watching the Philadelphia Phillies play the Atlanta Braves with like my best friends. You know what I mean? So like, man and like oh the hotel memories like it's just stuff that like as you get older you look back and you're like wow like that's crazy and like all of my friends now like I have friends playing baseball from Maryland I have friends playing baseball at ECU like I have like so many friends from that team that are playing like such high division one baseball I even I had a buddy that I played with when I was 13 that was a first round pick for the Tampa Bay Rays in 2020, Nick Bitsko. You know what I mean? Like you look back at it and you're like, geez, like I was surrounded by studs and you're just like, and for me to just have like, even if it was just like a small, like hotel memory of jumping in the pool, like backwards or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like something as simple as that. It's like, wow. Like that's, it's, it's unreal. But you know, obviously the Jupiter trip was a lot of fun out of Florida. Every time we went down to Georgia, that was a lot of fun. Um, there was, there was one tournament. We actually went out to, uh, we went out to Notre Dame and we won a national championship there. And we're like, that, that was cool. That was cool. And I still remember like getting on, like, you know, those, uh, uh, you know, those like the bikes, like the bird bikes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We've got it. We've got like, yeah, like just driving around. Um, what what's the what's the town that Notre Dame South Bend? Is in? That's actually yeah, that's South actually Bend, really yeah, close to my hometown. So oh, I okay. Drive, when I drive up north, I'm basically going towards South. Bend. Yeah, yeah. So like South Bend, like just driving around downtown South Bend on those like scooters and like running two miles because there's no scooters around you. Like it's just those memories that you know I vividly remember and like. I'm going to be quite honest with you. We had some, we had some crazy kids. You meet some <laughs> crazy, you meet some crazy personalities when you have guys coming from all over the country to play for a team. So, you know, those are, those are days that I would never, ever, ever take for granted. And I, I plan on having those for, you know, forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've, I've definitely heard some, some crazy stories off air that probably the players definitely don't want on air of, some some teammates that they've met uh playing for like big travel ball teams like that um no you yeah definitely, definitely a lot of different personalities when you're playing for a national team like that uh but no mm-hmm. one question i like to ask those younger guys that i get on um who are currently in that travel ball circuit is their favorite mm-hmm. facility so when you're when you're traveling to jupiter um going to atlanta what is your favorite travel ball facility that you've probably played at so uh well you've that you played at when you're playing travel ball uh, mine was uh, the Palm Beach uh, spring training facility uh, okay. for the Nationals and the Astros. It was when I when I played there, it was damn near brand new, you know, so like it was like it was top tier, prof- obviously professional level playing services. So you're like, damn, this is this is dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like so that would probably be my favorite. Um if I'm going off of like college facilities, like when we would go to like different colleges and play, um, 
I mean, West Virginia is an awesome, an awesome facility. They have, they have a beautiful ballpark. Um, trying to think we actually played at Notre Dame's field for that national championship, yeah. uh, for that national championship. So that was sweet. Um, but just like, there's so many different, there's so many different like facilities that I've been to, but my fa- my favorite was when we would play at the spring training ones. Like we were at Jupiter, which is the Cardinals and Marlins. Um, and then West Palm beach. And then we also, I was also lucky enough to play at JetBlue. So that's, that's the, yeah, the Red Sox. Yeah. So those, all those facilities are like top tier. Yeah. I I, I have had that uh, Jupiter um, quite, quite often because the Arkansas sticks, um, I did, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I know they like the Arkansas sticks have just recently kind of evolved as a top tier travel ball program. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they were the White Sox scout team this past uh, fall in Jupiter, and they were mm. actually in that Miami Marlins clubhouse all week. Yeah, and, that's so sweet. And, and I mean, that's just – I mean, imagine being a, a 15-year-old, uh, like one of the younger guys on that travel ball team that's going to Jupiter. Uh, I mean, obviously you're already committed to like an LSU or something like that. But, I mean, just yeah. imagine being a 15-year-old, 16-year-old going, and you're just walking around the facility and you see Sixto Sanchez walking around doing some off-season training. Like, I mean, I mm-hmm. just can't imagine what, what that's like, what those experiences are like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's let's move in a little bit to your play on the field. I want to dig in a little bit to your hitting approach, hitting mindset, uh, potentially two-strike two approach as well. Um, mm-hmm. and we'll move into some final questions. Like I said, I mean, IU plays UNC tonight, so we got to make sure we get in line and get some good seats before. Uh, oh, yeah, for cut sure. The, cut the line before people start getting too serious about it. Um, yeah, for sure. For but sure. no, let's let's dig into your hitting approach a little bit. So just take mm-hmm. us through that a little bit. Uh, when you're walking up to the box, uh, facing a pitcher, um, lefty, righty, whatever, uh, just take us through your mm-hmm. approach. Uh, so it's nice because here at Penn State, you know, we have like we have pregame meetings on pitchers that will potentially face for that day. So I kind of have like a general idea of like where this guy's arm slot is, where the tendencies are, you know, what he likes to throw in certain counts and all that. So like I kind of have a general idea of like what I want to do when I'm walking to the plate. Um, one thing that I really learned last year and at Penn State, we call it uh, playing blackjack is like, I will sit a pitch like typically. So like last year I struggled with sliders and once, like once teams figured out that I couldn't hit sliders, I would get slider to death. It doesn't matter if the slider was anywhere below my belt, I was chasing and I was missing it. You know what I mean? So like, I really had to like figure out like, okay, like I got to learn how to hit a slider or I'm not going to be playing, but I'm not going to be playing baseball for much longer. Um, So I definitely like to, I definitely like to sit pitches um I don't like to think so much in the box like if I'm like like if I step into the box in an OO I'm like okay I'm gonna sit slider until I get a strike or if I get or I get a good pitch to hit or if this guy throws me a fastball like I'm not gonna swing like if it's hard I'm not swinging you know what I mean so like I kind of just like to simplify as much as I can because if you have all these thoughts up in your head like it's like it's never good yeah um Typically, like, I like to sit middle away just because I kind of have an in and out swing. So I like my power alley for the most part is right center. Um, so I like to sit middle away, but I'm not I'm not afraid to pull the ball. You know what I mean? Like if there's a ball on the outside half of the plate and I pull it for a hit, like I'm not going to be upset. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I, Velo wise, eh, 
I don't really like to I don't really like to cheat to like pitches. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather just like trust my hands, trust my lower half and all that stuff. Just because like I feel like if you cheat the pitches and you get a pitch that you're not expected to get, you look like an idiot. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know you're going to look like an idiot sometimes, but it's the worst feeling ever. Um, uh, if I'm facing a lefty, I, I like to know if they have tail um, or run with their ball. Um, but typically, like, if I'm facing a lefty, it's probably a fastball changeup sequence. And then if I'm facing a righty, it's typically a fastball curveball slider. Like, from a righty, I really don't see a lot of changeups. So, in the scheme of things, my hitting approach is stay short, stay simple, have an idea of what you want to hit, and don't, like, don't be afraid to sell out. You know what I mean? Because, like, if you get – you don't want to be walking back to the dugout after an at-bat and say, damn, I should have hit that pitch. You know what I mean? Even if, like, you just miss it, like, I don't want to – I don't want to be going with regrets, like, dang, like, I should have – I should have hit that. And, like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's baseball. You know what I mean? But you try to limit that as much as possible. Yeah. So take take us through those pregame hitting meetings um, before you before every game where you guys are going through, kind of going through this guiding report. Like, what time in that pregame, like, are you guys doing this? And kind of how, how do they go about, like, formatting this hitting meeting, this, like, mm. hitter's meeting when you're talking about pregame before talking about each pitcher? Yeah, so it's actually in the hotel at breakfast before we leave for the before we leave the field. You know, the pitchers will go do their stuff. Uh, they'll go get ready for the game, and we'll stay uh, where we eat breakfast and all that stuff. And we'll show a video of like the starting pitchers and like the relievers that we'll most likely face. So like we have like, and I, I'm sure this is the same everywhere. Like I'm sure there's like teams do this all the time, but like basically like we'll have a video of them and we'll show from their most recent outing. And, you know, and we'll have their tendencies on a chart where they like to throw the ball, what pitches they like to throw in certain counts. So, like, we'll have all that information provided for us. And it's basically just our time to lock in, learn what we can, and hopefully it transitions to the game. Yeah. So let's dig, dig in a little bit to um, just like you said you want to – you said obviously the goal is to get drafted potentially this year with you being eligible as a junior, uh, if not mm -hmm. – potentially after your senior year as well. Uh, what are some mm -hmm. of the biggest things in your game that you're wanting to fix or just work on the most uh, before it comes time uh, to, you know, start focusing on that draft your junior or senior year? Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I would definitely say, and I, I definitely think I'm getting better at it is, you know, just being, just being more consistent. You know, I feel like, I feel like as a hitter, and I'm and I'm not afraid to call myself out on this, you know, and I think that's like I think that's what you have to be like. You have to be realistic with yourself. Like, I mean, as much as like it pains me, like I like I don't like when people aren't realistic with themselves, yeah. you know, and like that's the only way that you're going to grow as a baseball player and you're going to grow as a person. Um, so like consistently consistency for me is a big thing. Like I go through these rough patches and I need to like cut down like i need to make them shorter like instead of like going on a week hiatus of not hitting the ball let's cut that down to like three days four days you know what i mean and earlier in my college career like i struck out a lot and now it's kind of just like okay like with two strikes even if you don't get a hit put the ball in play you know what i mean make the defense work so like consistency for me is probably the biggest thing that i want to work on and honestly just like you know, learn the game. Like our game is evolving so 
fast. Like we have launch angle, we have swing analytics, like we have all that stuff. Like if that's how the game of baseball is going to be played, like I want to be like, I want to have knowledge on it. You know what I mean? So I feel like, cause I feel like it's only just going to help me in my career. So I would definitely say consistency, you know, cut back, cut back on strikeouts. Um, but honestly, just like have more fun. You know, I feel like I get in such, I get in such these modes where like baseball, like it's like, it's like life or death for me. You know what I mean? And like, I forget that I'm playing a kid's game. I forget that I'm fortunate and lucky enough to be playing a kid's game at the age of 20 and, you know, with potentially playing for years to come. Yeah. So like just, just relaxing and breathing and, you know, having fun and going back to those times where, you know, I was having a blast in travel ball, having a blast in little league, having a blast in high school. You know what I mean? And I think, I think if I do that, like, I just think, I just think I'm going to be cool, calm and collected. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so playing at a, at a big 10 program like Penn state playing for an elite travel ball team, like us elite uh, playing there in Pennsylvania for, um, you said you guys were a great high school team as well. Went to semi-state mm-hmm. had the chance to, you know, be a four-time district champion in your four years of high school. If it wasn't for COVID, I'm sure you mm-hmm. had a lot of great coaches that have helped you along the way playing alongside some guys who are major league prospects right now as well. Um, if you just had to look at just everybody you've played with or everybody you've you've coached and been underneath, um, just who've been the most influential people in your career so far? Um, two, three, four, just a handful of people when it comes to just like the most influential um, within your baseball career. Yeah, so I would definitely say my high school coach is one of them. Um, uh, my my high school coach, he was the assistant coach for my first three years, and then he became the high, uh, the head coach for my um, for my senior year. Uh, Bill Dabrowski, uh, he played professional baseball. Um, he played division two baseball at Shippensburg and then was actually able to play professional baseball. So that's pretty cool. So I was able to kind of like pick his brain and he was also a teacher at my school too. So I could go to him whenever I wanted. Um, uh, just another guy that, you know, helped me with my baseball career, my trainer, Russ France, um, you know, he's literally my dad. Like I see him more than my own family. I'm with him every day when I'm home and, you know, just for him to push me and, you know, to, you know, make me the man that I am today. You know, I, you know, I can't thank him enough. Um, guys from the gym, you know, Travis, I mentioned his name before, Nico Holsizer with the Rays, you know, just, I had so many college and professional guys that I looked up to and I could see what they did. And I was like, okay, I want to do that. Yeah. You know, and then teammates, I was fortunate enough, you know, I had a good, I had a good team. I was lucky enough to have a good team. Uh, we kind of had a big three when it came to when it came to uh, Division One baseball players from my high school. Uh, myself, Drew Grace, uh, he was at Kentucky, uh, now at Maryland, and then uh, Nate Nabholtz, his uh, his uncle Chris Nabholtz pitched in the bigs, um, and then you know he's at Towson now, and then uh, opponents. Uh, Reggie Crawford was in my league. He was just drafted in the first round. Uh, to the San Francisco Giants, like he was throwing, he was throwing 94 in high school from the left side. Like he, he was untouchable. Like, you know, one of my best friends. Um, So like, I I can't wait to watch where his career goes. And then kind of just the team that basically ended my high school career, uh, Redland, um, they have, they have some dudes. They had both the Wagner brothers that are at Georgia 
Um, Cole Wagner played in the Little League World Series. Luke Wagner, absolute stud. Um, they had Benny Montgomery. Uh, he was a first-round pick for the Colorado Rockies. Um, I have two teammates from that team, Jaden Headline and Kyle Hannon. Uh, they're at Penn State with me, two studs. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania has some really good baseball, at least when I was going through high school. You know what I mean? And there's just so many guys, um, so many guys. And it's crazy, too, because, like, we're all friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like your enemies on the field, but then, like, like where I where I train at Next Play Sports for uh, sports performance for, with with Russ, like all these teams from like my, my high school, like Reggie would pitch against me on a Thursday, and him and I would go to the gym Thursday night, like together. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like like he he would strike me out, and we would be like boys in two hours. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Like we all had these like bonds together, but we also all had the respect for one another because we knew the work that everybody was putting in. We knew that like they genuinely wanted to be there. And we also knew like we all genuinely cared about each other. Mm -hmm. So I think that was cool. Like you have these relationships with guys and then you would go compete against them. And then you would also be able to like pick their brains because like you had that relationship. Yeah. Like if I had a bad at bat against Reggie, I would be like, Reggie, like what was I doing? Like, what did you see? You know what I mean? And I was able to learn so much just from being with these guys. So yeah, but Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania baseball was legit when I was, when I was going through it and, you know, it was, it definitely, it definitely helped. Yeah. Definitely well, even helped. another guy, Luke Matta, the guy who you kind of came across the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Pennsylvania guy playing power five baseball Um, from, I mean, I remember when I was doing the research, I mean, I think he played well last year, I believe. And yeah, I mean, he's in a spot, I, he, or no, he's he's a freshman. He's a freshman, but I mean, yeah. he's he's in a spot to play a hoop to pitch, get some good innings this upcoming mm-hmm. year. Um, so I mean, just like you said, I mean, that was a question that was coming up, but I mean, you kind of answered yeah. it there in terms of just Pennsylvania high school baseball in general. Uh, but no, got yeah. three got three questions here left for you. Uh, kind of a rapid yeah. fire. Um, I kind of like yep. to do these last three questions just to end it off pretty much everybody. So more off the field stuff in terms of just talking about baseball and recruiting and all that stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. when it comes to motivations, uh, what is it that kind of motivates you and Brad Kraut, what he likes to say, kick the sheets and get up in the morning. What is it that motivates yeah. you to kick, kick the sheets and go, you know, go win the day? Uh, realistically, my family, you know, I think it's, you know, it's as cliche it's very cliche. And I feel like it's a very common answer across, you know, guys, like it's my family, like they put, you know, they support me, they love me, you know, they put me in this situation, where, you know, I'm able to do what I love. You know what I mean? So like, I feel like it would just be disrespectful for me to totally neglect everybody in my life that, you know, supports me and wants me to succeed. You know, so I mean, obviously, I do it for myself, too, you know, because I love it. And I genuinely want to do it. Okay. So taking that even further. So let's say everything goes right in your life. You keep, you know, motivating yourself for your family, for yourself. Um, everything yep. goes right. What is your perfect picture of your life here in 20 years from now? So you'll be sitting at, you know, up upper thirties, lower forties. What is that? What does that life look like if everything goes right? I mean, everything goes right. You know, um, hopefully, um, you know, I'm towards the end of my major league career. Uh, you know, I have, I have a family to myself. Um, you know, hopefully I'm living in a beautiful house, whether it's in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, you know, but basically just like living out my dreams. I think that's the perfect scenario for me, being able to, you know, play professional baseball, being able to, you know, do what I want to do. 
So I think that that's kind of like the perfect, the perfect life, you know, beautiful family, uh, professional baseball player, you know, the things that you dream about as a yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Down to the, down to that last question. Um, so this is, a, this is a question I always like, you know, amuses me quite a bit just because of uh, me being an aspiring agent, but I'm big into NIL. Um, like I said earlier, um, so with you at Penn state and kind of having that ability to capitalize off your name, image, and likeness, you know, get a couple endorsement deals, a couple collaborations with brands. If you could pick any brand to endorse, what would that dream brand be? Uh, just to endorse, collaborate with whatever it happens to be. What would that, what would that brand be? Jeez. Jeez. Can I give you two? Would it be all right if I give you two? All right. So if we're going, all right. So if we're going, if we're going clothing, we're going clothing. I'm going, I'm going Lulu. Okay. I have to, I wear Lulu every single day. Uh, you know, I'm lucky enough to have the discount now. Um, so, I mean, if I could just collaborate and have like the Billy Gerlot Lulu line, like that <laughs> would be sick. Like that would be sick. Um, but if we're going like other things to represent, like hit me up with that Red Bull deal, you know, like the sugar-free Red Bull, like I, whether I'm going to practice, going to class, like I'm drinking that sugar-free Red Bull, like damn i even i even drink red bull before i rip call of duty sometimes you know that's kind of <laughs> like that's kind of me and my uncle's thing so i mean get me a nice little like red bull basically what chris bryant does you know what i mean yeah like chris I bryant mean, yeah chris oh, bryant yeah, chris, chris bryant, bryant has red, red bull. bull guy oh my god make billy Gerlot red bull guy like i'm in i'm all there we go I'm all in. so I'm you're all still in. red bull you haven't transitioned to a to uh like one of those newer brands that's come out like a ghost or a c4 or whatever it is like you're still sticking with the that initial with that initial red bull that kind of started it all so here's the thing like i love the bangs like i love c4s ghosts like i think they're all great and all but like there's nothing better than cracking open a sugar-free red bull i don't like the regular red bull just because you know like you know, being an athlete, don't like all that sugar in my body. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. But like, there's just something about the taste of a sugar-free Red Bull that I'm just like, yeah, this is it. This is it. And it doesn't even, it can even be like the 8.4 fluid ounce. Like, I don't, it doesn't have to be the big one. Yeah. But like, I'm just like, like, I, I'm carrying in my hand. I'm like, yeah, this is it. And the can's cool. The can's it cool. Is, the Bulls, like, cool. the yeah, the Bulls, like, I mean, hell, it, it gives me wings. I'm good with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I used to never be a Red Bull guy, and then, uh, well, like energy drink guy in general. And I was yeah. at, I was at the again, I was at the bars one night, uh, hanging out mm -hmm. with our IU offensive linemen. I mean, I guess they don't really do much. They don't, they don't block because we're not good at football, but they they like to drink a lot. So uh, one of them hands me a, a vodka Red Bull, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" He was like, the "Vodka Red Bull, try it." And then from there on, that whole night, I had a vodka Red Bull. And from there on, I kind of started drinking energy drinks. I mean, it's kind of like that was my first experience with energy drinks. Red Bull was that first one. Um, I've kind mm. of you know tried out some different ones, you know, like Ghost or C4. I have never tried a bang because I don't want to. I've heard like those have like 300 milligrams. You know, I don't want to try to get used to a 300 milligram drink and then try to go back down to whatever the other ones have. But Yeah, um, they make me go crazy. They make yeah. me shake a little bit. I know. Yeah. Like I, I took I took um my first time drinking a Ghost. I like drank the full can and like went to class and had a presentation and like, I was literally up there. Like, like I was literally like shaking and I just, Oh no, we're terrible. Experience. I'll tell you what, quick story for you before, before you go get in line for this North Carolina game. So this actually happened yesterday, right? So it's our Omaha week and 
I'm dead. My body hurts. I'm tired. I'm about to sit in this hour and a half long class. I'm like, damn, I need some sort of caffeine, right? Yeah. So I go into the building that I'm in. I go to the uh, vending machine and I look. And the only vending, uh, only energy drink they have is like those Mountain Dew energy drinks. Oh. And I'm like, I don't care. Like I need it, right? <laughs> so I'm drinking this. I'm drinking this in class. And all of a sudden, like, I'm like, I'm like breathing heavy. I'm like, I'm starting to like, I feel like I'm starting to like hallucinate. I'm like, what is happening to me? Right. And this, there's only like 150, like, like milligrams of caffeine in this. And I'm like, hell, I drink ones with like 200 in it. Like, this is nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like starting to like pant. Like I have to step outside. I'm drinking water. I go into the bathroom. I'm like breathing. I'm like, what is happening to me? So like this Mountain Dew, whatever that is, like if you guys have a very serious workout, like I recommend that. I mean, it almost put me into AFib. Like I was going <laughs> crazy. I was going crazy. And I'm like, damn, like I got to go back to class. Like, yeah. like I can't even like I'm shaking. I'm like, this is unreal. Yeah. I mean, I've been drinking, I mean, black rifle coffee. That's another one I, I really like. Um, I've been, I've been drinking that. I make my own. Yeah. I've been, I've been drinking that slowly talking to the, I mean, now we've been sitting down for an hour and a half. Like I'm ready to go out and shit. I mean, if I cut the line and people are talking shit, man, I mean, man, I feel like I could, you know, fight them. I'm so jacked up right now, but I'll tell you what, I'll get on, I'll get on a plane and I'll fight for you to get into that game. I love, I love North Carolina basketball. Don't get me wrong. I hope you guys beat them just for the sake of our conversation today. But I was, I was a big North, North Carolina basketball fan growing up, you know, they had a tough week, so you might as well just add to it. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's the one thing I'm like worried about. Like, I mean, what are the chances a team like UNC loses three straight games? I mean, we are good. Yeah. I mean, IU basketball is a very good program. I think I think this year is going to be the best uh, chance we have to make it to a Final Four, Elite Eight, whatever it is this year. Yeah, uh, I think we're a great team. I think we'll be top ten for the majority of the year. But I mean, just it's kind of bad timing with UNC losing back to back, and I don't know. But no, we'll see. I guess yeah, that game for me tonight. I mean, I guess cheer on for the Hoosiers instead of the Tar Heels tonight. Uh, hey, I, I'm I'll be a Hoosier fan. And here's the thing, though, I can't root for another Big Ten team. Come on. Oh well, no, it's the Big Ten ACC challenge. You kind of you want the Big oh, Ten. Oh yeah, team. all right, all right, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And since you I guys, since you guys couldn't pull it out against the ACC team, I guess you have to. We have to make it right. and beat beat that ACC team. All right, go Hoosiers. You got okay. Me. All right, you got all right, me. man. Well, that's all the questions I got for you. Really enjoyed the conversation today. I uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I love the content, just digging into the whole COVID area, di digging into more of the college side of things. Like you said, I mean, I do have a lot of younger guys who are committed to big power five schools, but not guys who have had that experience facing up against that power five pitching um, at this point in their careers. So definitely some great content. I mean, I think we're over like an hour, 20, over an hour, 20, 25 minutes. Um, so some yeah. great content for all the listeners to listen to today. Um, it should be out here this upcoming Saturday, um, December perfect. 2nd or 3rd, whatever it is. Yeah, perfect. Um, you know, just really appreciate you coming on the show. And shoot, like I said, I'm going to Penn State next fall. Maybe we'll we'll run up the bars out there, there at, uh, what's it called, uh, State College uh, yeah. so next fall. But no, man, just really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me. I really appreciate you reaching back out to me after I uh, after I reached out to you. And hey, you have my number. When you get to State College, hit me up.